Welcome to the Lifehouse Church Podcast. More information about Lifehouse and our senior pastors, Richard and Helen Kabakian, can be found at lifehouse.com.au. We hope you enjoy the following message. Today, I'm going to be talking to you guys about good news for a change. And that's actually the title of the message, good news for a change. I'm sure all of you have been uh, asked the question, hey, I've got, I've got some news to give you. I've got some good news. I've got some bad news. Which one do you want first? I don't know about you, but what, what news do you want first? What type of person are you? Actually, ask the people around you. If you're sitting with some people right now, ask them the question. Do you want the good news first or do you want the bad news first? Very interesting. Actually, a university conducted some studies and uh, based on whether you want the good news first or the bad news first, actually says a lot about your personality. So I'm going to come back to that a little bit later in this message, but just have a think about that for a moment. But did you know that health professionals would all agree that consuming good news and giving out good news is very good for your health? And they would also tell us that in the same way, in the negative sense, bad news can be very detrimental to you, hearing it and letting it come out of your mouth. Um, could this be the, the, the prevailing, in our prevailing culture, of overwhelming bad news? Um, it is so accessible to get bad news before your eyes, into your ears. Could this be the reason that we are seeing such a high level of, of anxiety in, you know, we're seeing it in children now, five-year-olds, no, no kidding, five-year-olds are experiencing anxiety. We're seeing people uh, experience depression at an all-time high at the moment, even high blood pressure, migraines, and as we all know, unfortunately, in some cases, even leading to, su- to suicide. Friends, we are living in times where people need good news. I need it, you need it, your mother needs it, dad needs it, your brothers and sisters need it, your co-workers need it. Friends, we all need Good news. Now, the sad reality is this, though. When, for most people, when they think about God, when they think about church, when they think about Jesus, maybe, when they think about Christians or when they think about the Bible, the words good news do not come to mind. And that is so unfortunate. Maybe they've got a perception. Maybe you've got a perception of, for some reason, God, the church, religion, for some reason, maybe it brings up negative emotions inside of you. you. You don't see it as good news at all, which is so strange because in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, it tells us about Jesus and what he came to do. And it says, then Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues. And it says, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and sickness. And he, that's what Jesus was doing, going around preaching the gospel. Well, You know, it's very easy to do this for yourself, but you can just go online and actually find out what that word gospel actually means in the original language. And it's a Greek word, and the word is euelengon, euelengon. And that that word basically means good news. Now, I don't know why, but for some reason, the word good news was swapped out with gospel. But every time you see the word gospel in the New Testament, it's actually the word Good news. And so many other translations um, these days, if you read that same verse in the a New Living Translation, it says that Jesus went from synagogue to synagogue announcing the good news of the kingdom. Jesus was a good news man. That's the Jesus that we serve. That's the Jesus that we talk about and preach 
He's a good newsman. You know, in our church, we have, um, on uh, every Wednesday, we have what we call chapel. And uh, it started off just as for staff and for interns, but we've since opened it up to the whole church. And just last Wednesday, 9 a.m., um, there was a stack of people on uh, a Zoom call together, and uh, and we have what we call chapel. Now, what we usually do is we we uh, we, we we worship. Uh, this is what we were doing before uh, we couldn't meet together. And uh, and then what we do is the very next thing we do is we open it up to anybody and everybody to give us what we call a good report. What is that? Just give us some good news, people. Because we've all been hearing such negative things, but there are some great things going on. And I'm telling you, as one person after another starts telling us of good things that are happening in schools, good things that are happening in their workplace, um, people are still dreaming about starting businesses. People are still moving ahead in life. I know that for some people they're retracting and moving backwards, but some people are still moving forward and we're hearing these stories. What happens to the atmosphere? Friends, it's tangible. All of a sudden, an atmosphere just comes in of God is still moving. God is still doing good things. And by the end of that session, do you know sometimes we can't even stop that session? I've got to say, guys, I really I, I want to sort of get into the word, but we can't stop people from bringing good news. I wonder what would happen if, Dad, when you came home, you walked in and just said, hey, He's got some good news. Come on, good report. What's been going on that's great today? And imagine all the kids and, and mum and, and, and yourself, rather than coming home and saying, oh, today was such a bad day. You know, no, nobody lines up to hear that. We, we, good, bad news? It's, it, it doesn't do much for our health. Good news? Oh, come on, we're all open to some good news. Imagine we went home and created that type of atmosphere in our homes. Many of us know the story of the children of Israel. And uh, Moses sends out 12 people. He says, go, go spy out the land. Tell us, tell us what it looks like. And they all come back and, and, uh, and 10 of them say, oh, the giants, they're big and, 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 and we can't take the land. And the Bible says they, they spread a bad report. In other words, bad news. Do you know, only two people said that we can take this land. Do you know, because of that negative report, the children of Israel believed the bad news. They went with the majority and they found themselves walking around a desert for 40 years. Friends, that can't be God's will for our lives, to be lost in a desert not knowing what to do. That's what bad news does to us. Hey, I've got some other research here from the um, Berkeley University. Listen to this. Watching just three minutes of negative news in the morning makes viewers 27% more likely to report having a bad day for six to eight hours, having just watched negative news for three minutes. But those who watch transformative videos and stories, on the other hand, reported having a good day 88% of the time. Guys, let's make a decision. We're going to focus on the good news. You know, if bad news and good news was food, uh, bad news would equal junk food, but, but good news other fruit and vegetables that I should probably be eating a little bit more of at this point in time. But don't judge me because what can we do? Food is good at the moment. You know, come on, let's get back to Jesus. Jesus was a good news guy. And that's why people were always around him. You know, the Bible tells us that when Jesus was speaking, that people did not want to go home to the point where they forgot to eat. 
And then Jesus finally says to the disciples, give them something to eat because they'd been there all day. Friends, you don't stick around for bad news. You stick around for good news. Jesus was a good news man. Hey, do you want to be a people magnet? Do you want to be someone that people just get around you and they want to hear what you have to say? Let good news flow out of your mouth. People people stick around for that stuff. Uh, Jesus, when he was in a house, people would fill the house. So much so they had to lower somebody in through the roof because they couldn't get in because Jesus was a good news preacher. Uh, people gathered on beaches so much so that Jesus had to hop into a boat one day because he couldn't. there was no more room left on the beachfront. Uh, people travelled for kilometres. Why? To hear good news. Now, let me tell you right now, if Jesus is a good news preacher, then I want to be a good news preacher. I want to be a good news man. Come on, why don't you decide right now? Why don't, be, why don't you be a good news teenager, a good news youth, young adult, mum, dad? Let's just make this who we are. Let's be known for this. I want to be known as a good news preacher. I'm, I'm going I'm to change my title. Forget this Pastor Richard thing. I want, hey guys, today we've got good news Richard coming to bring us the, wouldn't that be wonderful if you were known as a good news person? Hey, what are you known for? Are you known for good news? Or, or are you known for bad news? Come on, are you, are you bad news Brad? Or are you good news George? Come on, who are you? Be honest. Be honest with yourself right now. Are you, are you, are you bad news Beryl? Or are you good news Sally? Come on, there are some people, you've, be honest with me. There are people at work. There are some people in our church. There are some, there's people everywhere that when you see them, your heart starts to beat because you know what's coming. They're, all they're going to fill you with is bad news. And you want to be a kind person. You want to be tender with them. You want to be loving. But you know that you're now going to have to endure bad news. But what about, what about you become the person that when people see you, they go, wow, I know I'm going to walk away from this conversation encouraged and lifted up. Come on, we all avoid the bad news, people. Let's be honest, but let's, let's choose who we're going to be. As a church, we've decided we're going to be a good news church. And you know, there are some people that have come to our church services, some people even watching online, and there's just not enough bad news in these messages. They just need, they, they thrive on bad news, but what they don't realise is it just... It destroys their own life. It destroys their future because they just can't think for the future because everything's just so negative. But some people, they, they, they honestly say to us, come on, when are you going to sort of tell us some of the bad news? Now, listen, there is, there is bad news out there. there. There's no doubt about it. But in comparison to the good news, you know, good news always overcomes the bad news. Yes, the economy is terrible at the moment, but we serve a God who can do miracles, signs and wonders, and he's the God of the impossible. So, yes, there's plenty of bad news going on, over, but the good news just overrides it. It's, that's what we need to be focusing on. So come on, why is good news so important? Because Proverbs 15.30 says this. It says, light in a messenger's eyes bring joy to the heart and good news gives health to the bones. Come on, that's the word of God speaking. Science is backing it up. Doctors are telling us the same thing. Let's choose to be good news people. Uh, there's a book written by a guy called um, Rolf Dobelli, and it's called uh, The Art of Thinking Clearly. And he gives us a few reasons why bad news can be so, so bad for us. He says, number one, it disrupts your thinking. It stops you from dreaming. The second thing is it actually starts to rewire your brain. So we need to be careful of that. But the third one, I think, is the one that most of us identify with, and that is because it's stressful. It actually raises your, your um, cortisol levels, and it starts to make you feel stressed. Now, just to some of the married people that are 
watching right now. Can I just give you just a little bit of a heads up? Guys, especially, guys, if you're having a bit of a romantic night with the young lady and you've got your beverage, whatever that may be, together and having a nice meal, and then, and then she says, hey, let's watch a great movie. Um, guys, if you want the night to end really well, okay, you want the night to end really well, um, you know, maybe, maybe don't watch uh, the documentary Final Hours of Hiroshima. You know, that's, the, that's not, that's not going to help your cause, okay? Maybe, maybe don't watch Saving Private Ryan. And, and maybe, you know, I know you love those, those shows and, and, and they're great, and, but um, that's not usually going to because the, the stress levels that rise up just watching that. Now, I know they're entertaining, but, but you know, maybe, maybe stick with How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days or, uh, or uh, you know, one of those sort of, what am I saying? Maybe watch something that calms us down and, and gets us into the right frame of mind. Bad news always gets us into a bad frame of mind. What else does good news do? I love this verse. This is Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Now, remember, the word gospel is swapped out with the word good news because that's the word it actually is. And, and this is the Apostle Paul. He says, I'm not ashamed of this good news. Most of us have heard it said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. But he says, but here, here it says, I'm not ashamed of the good news about Christ because it is the power of God at work. Wow, what does that mean? Do you know when you begin to share good news, specifically about Jesus and what he has done, do you know the power of God hits that conversation? Now, I don't know about you. I don't want to have meaningless conversations all the time. You know, when I'm talking to somebody, I want the power of God to be there. I want, their, I want people to sense that, oh, man, something's going on around here. I want people to start getting some goosebumps. I want them to go, what's, what's happening here? Power of God. Why does it come? Because you begin to bring the good news when you begin to tell people what Jesus has done for them and, and how, he, how much he loves them. Then, then we're going to start to see this power turn up. So what is this good news? Come on, let's talk about it just for a moment. What is this good news that I'm talking about when it comes to Jesus? Well, come on, let's just start right from the top. The fact that God loves us. That's good news. Let's start there. For God so loved the world. Friend, no matter who you are watching me right now, no matter what you've got going on right now in your world, man, woman, child, I don't know who you are, whatever you've got going on, you're a part of that statement. For God so loved the world. That's you. Friends, that's good news. He loves you. The God of heaven loves you. And the second thing he's done for us, he's he's forgiven us of all our sin and taken our sins away and taken away all our mistakes and our regrets and our past and he's forgiven it all. That's really good news so that we can have an intimate relationship with God. Well, that's good news. Friends, this, this is the good news that we have. But the best part about it is all of that is not based on our performance or our behavior. It's all based on what Jesus did. Friends, I can't tell you better news than that. That is just so powerful. You know, uh, yesterday, I'm so glad that my relationship with God is not based on how good I am. Um, yesterday, I, I, I prayed this prayer. I said, God, so far today, I haven't gossiped. I haven't lied. I haven't been nasty. I haven't been mean. And I haven't had lust about anything. I haven't been selfish. I haven't been overindulgent. Um, but God, now I'm about to get out of bed. And please, I need you to help me for the rest of this day. What am I saying? Hey, listen, it doesn't take me long before I get out of bed, before I've messed up big time. 
But you know what? I do serve a God that still loves me and he still can. Friends, that's the good news, that God's got a plan for our life. He's got a plan for your life, that God is still in control, that Jesus has the power to break, to break any habits that are in our lives. Come on. We've got some great news. You know, there is a story. There's a story that represents the times that we are in right now. And I'm, I'm just going to go there with, the, with the, the time that I have left with you. And we find this story in 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 24 to 25. And uh, it's a story of, of a city that was, um, that was under siege and uh, it was called Samaria. And it says this in verse 24, it says, Sometime later, however, uh, King Ben-Hadad of Aram mustered his entire army and besieged uh, Samaria. And uh, it says, as a result, there was a great famine in that city and the siege lasted so long that a donkey's head sold for 80 pieces of silver and a cup of, of dove dung sold for five pieces of silver. You know, these guys, they, this was desperate times. They couldn't get out. They were locked up in their city. Sound a little bit familiar to you? Um, the, the, the price of things that were worth nothing were now very valuable. Um, it goes on to tell us that toilet paper was selling for a lot of money as well. No, it doesn't say that at all. But these people, these people were in dire straits. They, there was no food. I mean, these people were literally eating dove dung. Can you imagine that, walking into a shop? Can I please have a cup of that uh, dove dung, please? Yeah, can I have a little bit of tomato sauce on that? Are you kidding me? What were these people doing? Friends, you know what? You will do whatever you've got to do in tough times. But, you know, these people were starving physically, but, you know, we're living in a world where people are starving spiritually. People are starving for purpose. What is this whole thing all about, especially with what's going on in the world at the moment? People are just reeling, not knowing what's going on. People are looking for meaning. They're looking, they're, they're looking for answers. People are full of un, the unknown, and, and they don't know how this whole thing ends. Friends, and how do I know that to be true? Because I wasn't always a Christian myself. I actually grew up in a, in, in a, a, a lovely, beautiful family, but the reality was my parents had a lot of money and they had everything they needed except that they couldn't make their marriage work. And as a young man, I realised, oh, so money doesn't buy everything. And it didn't take me long to work. So you know what? By the time I was 13 or 14... I had given up on the whole money thing, that money brings happiness. I know some of you are still chasing that, thinking, if I just had more money, I'd be happier. Friends, it's not true. Um, how do we know that to be true? Because there are people far richer than you and I, and they're still not happy. The when and then thinking is so dangerous. When I have that, then I'll be happy. Friends, people have got what, you, what, what you're thinking is going to bring you happiness. They've already got it, and they're still not happy. And that's, what I, that's how I found myself. And so I had everything that I needed. My parents had, had provided so well for me. And, and uh, you know, if I needed a car or, or whatever else, all those things were, my parents were planning to give all those things to me. But there was just this missing piece in my life. And we've got many business people in our church. We've got many families in our church. A lot of these business people were already driving fancy cars, but still felt like there was something missing. Just like these people who were starving these business people will tell you that on the inside they were starving. Something was lacking in their life. And, and then the story continues and it says, it says, now there were four men that had leprosy. Uh, and it says, sitting at the entrance of the city gate. So these people were outside of the city. And it says, why should we sit here waiting to die? Now remember, a person with leprosy could not go into the city. 
So these guys were outcasts. Um, nobody was caring for these people. And, it says, and so they said to each other, you know what? It says, we will starve if we stay here. Uh, but with the famine in the city, we will starve if we go back there. So we, might, so, we, so we might as well go out and surrender to the Aramean army. If they let us live, so much the better. But if they kill us, well, we would have died anyway. So the Bible tells us that these, these, these lepers begin to walk toward the enemy camp. This was the, this was the army that was surrounding the city. What a crazy thing to do. I mean, that's just wild. That's mind-blowing. Why would they do that? It's certain death. But they thought, you know what? We're dying anyway. We're dying anyway. And so they decided to walk. And the Bible tells us that as they began to walk toward the enemy camp, God made the sound of horses and chariots sound like an attacking army to the point where the Aramean army just ran away and left everything. They left the bread. They left the wine. They left everything that was there, the horses, the chariots. They left everything and just ran for their lives. And then in verse 8, it tells us, it says, When the men with leprosy arrived at the edge of the camp, they went into one tent after another, eating and drinking wine, and they carried off silver and gold and clothing, and they hid it. These guys took a huge risk, and it paid off. It paid off. It didn't make sense. They were willing to walk away from a situation that, in all honesty, they knew they were going to die anyway. But some people would have still stayed there because it's what's comfortable, it's what they know, it's, it's, it's just what we've always been doing. This is, just, this is just what we've always done. They said, you know what, let's do something a bit different. And so they did do something a bit different and they take off and God does a miracle for them. But if the story ends that these people just ate and drank for the rest of their lives while the city starved to death, what a sad way for this story to end. But verse 9 kicks in and it says, Finally, they said to each other, this is not right. Come on, everybody, repeat after me, wherever you are. Repeat these words. This is not right. It says, this is a day of good news. There it is, friends. This is a day of good news. And it says, and we aren't sharing it with anyone. If we wait until morning, some calamity will certainly fall upon us. Come on, let's go back and tell the people at the palace. Friends, I love that. Yes, today I'm talking about how good news brings health to us, how it helps us to have a vision for life, how it connects us to a God who cares for us. But how sad would it be for us to just keep that to ourselves? How sad would that be? You know, imagine that somebody uh, finally cracks the code um, on, this, on, this, on the vaccine for, for this virus. And I think they are getting close, but I don't think they're quite there yet. Um, imagine if somebody did crack the code for it and didn't want to share it with anybody. How does that make you feel? And the whole world is just waiting for the answer, the good news that we have a vaccine. Imagine someone found it and just didn't bother to tell anybody. Friends, I would say this is not right. If that was to happen, I'd say that's, that's, that's just not right. Even, even worse, imagine somebody discovered the cure to cancer, like for all forms of cancer. Imagine someone actually discovered it today and just didn't bother to tell us and just didn't want to let anybody know because they're a little bit shy and they don't want to get in front of a camera and they don't want to do a press release. We would be like, buddy, we need this answer. Well, I'm telling you right now, what, what is at stake right now in the world is bigger than a virus, and I'm going to tell you it's even bigger than cancer, because we're talking about eternity. 
And we have got the answer. We have got the good news for life and for eternity. Friends, we've got to share it. We've got to let people know there is hope. God does have a plan for your life. You don't have to end your life. You don't have to use substances to make you happy. No, you can have the joy of God in your life. You can have the Holy Spirit in your life. Friends, we're experiencing all of this. It's it's not right that we would keep it to ourselves. Isaiah 52 verse 7 says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news. I love that. The good news of peace and salvation, the news that the God of Israel reigns. Friends, as each day goes by, you know, eternity gets one step closer to every person on the earth, everyone. Every day that we are alive, we're just one step closer toward eternity. And the Bible tells us that God has placed eternity in everyone's heart. You know, everyone knows that there's gonna be a day that they're not on earth anymore. And people do think, well, what, what happens to me then? We've got the answer. We've got the good news. We can tell them, hey, listen, it's not as dark and bleak as it may sound. No, no, no. You're going to be in the arms of God and then it just gets better. This this earth is just like the test run. There's a whole world that's coming. It's even better than this. But while we are on earth, our life can still be full and great and, and full of satisfaction. Friends, we've got the answer. Let me just end with a quick story. My parents used to own a business and um, next door to this business, there was uh, a bakery and a young lady used to work there and her boyfriend used to come around just before pickup time and he would spend some time with me before she came out and then they would leave together. And uh, he, he, he used to come around and he was doing this for around two years. And, um, and so he would just come around and he would spend time with me and, and, you know, he was a lovely guy. And, you know, every time he would come, now he wasn't there every single day, but he was there a lot. Every day I would hear a voice say to me, tell him about me. Tell him about me. And I'm like, oh, Lord, I will, but I just want to get to know him more because I really want the credibility. I really want the relationship to be strong. And the Holy Spirit's like, just tell him, tell him. And I just, I thought, that's it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And, you know, and I sort of mustered up the courage. Well, he stopped coming. And I noticed she wasn't working there either. And I didn't know what happened to either of them. But anyway, they just vanished. And so many years passed. And then one day in my youth group, I was standing there, I was playing billiards, and, um, and this guy walks in, very familiar looking. He looks at me, I look at him, and then he's like, Richard? And I'm like, George? And we run to each other like in, in those movies, we're sort of running and the wind's blowing, and I had hair back then, and we hugged each other and we were... I said, mate, what happened to you? Where, where, where did you go? He said, oh, look. He goes, you know, the girl that was working next door, he goes, well, she broke up with me. I said, oh, yeah, okay, but how come you never came in? He said, I was so brokenhearted when she broke up with me. He said, I was driving up the Hume Highway, which is one of the highways here in Melbourne. And, and he said, and uh, when I got to a two-way traffic area, he said, I was so brokenhearted, I, I, I just put my foot flat on the accelerator. He goes, and then I just pulled in front of a semi-trailer. He goes, and I had a head on. He goes, I was trying to kill myself. I said, wow. He goes, yeah, I was in a coma for six months, touch and go. He says, and um, he says, during that time, my mother became a Christian. I said, that's awesome. He says, and she was holding my hand the whole time and she'd be praying for me and getting people to come and pray. He goes, by the time I came out of the coma, my room was full of Christians and and I gave my heart to Jesus. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. He says, so you're a Christian too? I said, yes, I'm a Christian. He goes, how amazing is this? I said, it's awesome. He goes, so when did you become a Christian? I said, oh, I was a Christian when you used to come into my parents. And then he just looked at me right in the eye and he said, 
why didn't you ever tell me? If, if I had have known this, I wouldn't have done what I did. And from that moment on, I decided, you know what? I am going to tell people, regardless of whether they look like they need it, don't need it, look like they're down and out, look like they're up and out. I don't care what your life looks like. Everyone deserves to hear the great news about Jesus. Hi, I'm Richard Kabaki and pastor of Lifehouse Church. Just wanted to say thank you for listening to this message and I hope and pray that you feel that it's added value to your life. My greatest desire is to see people develop a personal relationship with Jesus, which can begin by praying a very simple prayer. I'm going to pray that prayer right now. And if you'd like to begin that relationship, you can just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. I choose you as my only hope of being forgiven. Please come into my life and let me begin a relationship with you that will last for all eternity. If you've prayed that prayer, we would love to know about it and celebrate your fantastic decision. You can do that by sending an email to mydecision at lifehouse.com.au. We look forward to hearing from you.